Welcome to the Wedding Digest by Wedbooker, the podcast that covers the exciting, challenging, and sometimes stressful aspects of planning a wedding, bringing you inspiration and advice from a wedding planner and other industry guests to help you save time, money, and your sanity. Brought to you by wedbooker.com, the place to book your dream wedding team with over 400 professional suppliers and venues at your fingertips. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of The Wedding Digest. Now, I've been dying to cover this topic since we started the pod, awkward conversations. Now, as fun as planning your wedding is, there are always those awkward conversations that have to be had. So Ali, I want to pick your wedding planner mind for your tips on how to navigate around these. Oh, you would have no idea how often couples ask me for my advice on how to handle these sticky situations from whether you invite your friend's new boyfriend, they just started dating like two weeks ago, does he come? or do you pay for the bridesmaids dresses or do you ask them to pay for the dresses I'll go through all the answers for you perfect I can't wait for your advice on this plus we also caught up with the beautiful Betsy from Lemon Tree Paper Co now Betsy is the founder and creator of the boutique stationery and illustration studio specializing in weddings and events Betsy shares all her tips on how your stationery can really give your wedding character plus shares her tips on designing and personalizing your stationery to make it absolutely stand out all right well let's get into it the three most awkward conversations we all seem to have to navigate once we have a ring on our finger. All right, diving straight in. The guest list. This has to be one of the toughest things to navigate. So inviting your family, extended family, mum's best friend and her kids, where on earth do you stop? Oh my gosh, it is such a tricky one. And I think it's so different for everyone, but might just come back to how close you are to your immediate family and your extended family. I think it's about sort of person by person and would you actually miss that particular person if they weren't at your day so if you think about your whole wedding day and you go oh look uncle bob if he wasn't there i would i would definitely feel his um missing presence then invite them they're essential if you go uncle bob uh, probably wouldn't even run up to him and give him a huge hug after i'm married i'm married then maybe he's not essential so i would just go through person by person and really think about who you want there on your special day. And then maybe if you can't decide off that, think about your wedding photos. So would you cherish a photo of you and that person? Or if that person was in a group photo from your wedding day and you were looking back on it in 10 years time, would you be like, oh, you know, I'm so glad that they were there and how beautiful do they look? Or would you be like, oh, bugger, so-and-so's in that photo, that ruins that one. I think it can help you decide if you, you think about future you And would future you want to see photos of them at your wedding day? If the answer is yes, 100%, make sure they're there. If it's no or you're not quite sure, then you know you can move them into the list of like maybe decide later or, you know, keep them off this one. But what about if your mum or your dad are really saying, no, Uncle Bob needs to be there? So hard. And they all seem to do it, right? And look, parents can really quickly start to take over your guest list. It happens to so many couples. I mean, sometimes when your parents are really generously contributing to your day, you then feel like you're sort of up against a wall a bit and when they say they want to invite their friends, you've got nowhere to go. 
So something to consider is when accepting financial help from anyone for your big day, have that conversation early with your parents or who with ever, you know, might add extra guests on about who's coming, who's really important. Um, and they might say, look, I've got to have my best friend Sue there because she saw you grow up. And then at least, you know, from the get go that your mum really wants Sue there and you should really add her onto the list. So that kind of goes back to early conversations, sit down with your parents and be really, really clear on who is coming and who's not coming. Yeah, that's really good advice. All right. So what about culling your guest list? If you decided to go for a small and intimate wedding, what are your tips on how to do this without causing too much upset or broken friends? Ships. Gosh, again, it's not an easy one. And no wonder these are the awkward questions, right? Um, mm. Your friendship groups kind of work in circles. Um, you might have a really tight group of girlfriends and they're kind of your inner circle. So there might be two of them, there might be five of them, you know, however many there are. And then if you step out one circle wider, you might have 10 girlfriends that sit in that circle. So they might be the girlfriends you don't see or the, your friends that you don't see you know, on a weekly basis, you don't talk to on a weekly basis, but you might see out, you know, once a fortnight on the weekend. If you're going to invite one of them, you're probably going to have to invite all 10. So it's about figuring out what those circles are. And if you invite that friend, who else do you have to invite? Because they sort of sit in that same circle. And that then gives you an idea of how far out you need to go, um, who you can invite without upsetting someone else and still try to keep it within your desired capacity. Um, And don't forget your family too. Sit down with your immediate family and be open with them on how big the day is. So if you're having a really intimate wedding, you do need to be really open with your family and say, look, um, I'm only having 30 people there. Families can be huge. By the time you invite all your uncles and aunties, you can reach 30 people just on family. So you do need to sit down and have that kind of awkward conversation with your family as well. But look, on the plus side, this is what engagement parties are for. It's what kitchen teas are for. It's what hens nights are for. They're awesome second events that you can celebrate with your wider circles. There are absolutely no rules to say you can't invite someone to any of those parties that isn't at your wedding. How do you go about having that conversation with that group? Mm, Look, I actually did this myself. So I only had five girlfriends at my own wedding because my wedding, as um, anyone who listens to the pod quite a bit knows, I only had 30 people at my wedding day because I did want it to be really intimate. So I sent a text message out to my next circle of girlfriends, um, and there probably about 15 or 20 of them, before I even announced who my bridal party was or told anyone the wedding was going to be small and said, hey, guys, um, we're keeping our wedding really small and really intimate. That doesn't mean that I don't want to celebrate with you guys and I wouldn't love to have you guys involved in some way. So I would still love you to all come to my hens um, and an engagement party. So then for those second circle of friends who I still love so dearly, they all came to my hens and they use that as a way to celebrate my wedding because they weren't going to be at the wedding day, but my hens was just honestly the best day ever. Um, they were all there. They all completely understood. Um, and I don't think any bridges were burnt in, in doing it that way. Okay. Then it's the big one. Mm-hmm. Inviting your friends' partners. What are the rules there? Because I feel like everyone that I've spoken to that's had a wedding has had this dilemma. It does happen <laughs> at every single wedding. I mean, why do we all get text messages like eight weeks out from the wedding from, you know, a third cousin who you're not even that close to saying, hey, do you mind if I bring my new boyfriend? We started dating three weeks ago. It's like, it's just so hard to then go back to them and say yes or no. So 
um, probably draw the line. I think if it's your maid of honor and she's saying, you know, I've got a new partner or whatever, can he come? She's your best friend. Um, obviously, I would say, yes, have them there. But if it is your third cousin and you're not really that close to them anyway and they want to have their, their partner there or their new partner or even if it's an old partner there and that would mean by adding them that you would then not be able to invite someone that you're actually a little bit closer to that means something to you, then just say no. Your venue is going to have a capacity limit. So the venue is always a really nice one to lean back on and say, oh, I'd love to, but I just can't make it work. That is a good tip Mm -hmm. there. All right. So let's move on to the bridal party now. Why is this always so hard? You've got a lot of close friends, right? 10 or so close friends. How do you let your besties know that although they aren't part of your party of three, for your bridal tribe, that you still love them and it doesn't mean you don't want them to be part of your day. It is such a hard one. Yeah, and this one, again, it gets most couples. Yeah. You, you don't. You really don't want to let anyone down and you don't want to make anyone feel like they aren't one of your closest friends. So it depends on how many people you want to have in your bridal party and maybe that's going to be the determining factor. If you have five best friends and by cutting one of them out, you're going to break her heart or you know break your heart, then don't do it. We've talked about it before. You don't have to have an even number of bridesmaids to groomsmen. I think a bridal party is less about having that balance and that same number and more about having your absolute best friends up there with you to celebrate your day. So that's the easy answer. If it's not that easy for you, um, then there are so many other roles that they can take on during the day. So you could say, I would love to have had you in my bridal tribe, but um, you know, my partner only wants to have two people up there. So I want to um, work with him on that. I would love to still have your part of it. Can you do a reading for me? Now that doesn't have to be a religious re- reading if that's not your jam. It can be something from a book or one of your favorite song lyrics. There are so many options in there as well. They could MC for you. So there are so many other roles you can give them to still make them feel like they're included too. Okay. So once you've gotten over that hurdle and you have your bride tribe chosen, what's the etiquette then on who pays for what? Is it normal that the bride will pay for everything, the dress, shoes, tan, makeup? It's There is a lot though, especially when mm. you do have five bridesmaids. Where do you stop? And I'm going to chuck another question on the back of this is if you are wanting your bridesmaids to pitch in, is this something you then flag early before going and selecting that $500 bridesmaid dress and then asking them to pay for it? Yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, I'll answer your questions backwards. But I think if you're (laughs) going for a a dress um, and it's, you know, $500 or more, I mean, even if it's a $250 dress, there's a lot for your bridesmaids um, and you know that's going to be really pushing it for them. I think you need to consider them as well and their financial positions. You don't want them to resent you um, for making Mm. them pay for the dress. So maybe that is when you say, look, we'll go 50-50 or um, I'll pitch in and I'll buy it for you because I want this extravagant dress. So I don't think there are any hard and fast rules anymore about who pays for what. Traditionally speaking, yes, if you are asking someone to be in your bridal tribe, you would then be responsible for buying the dress, the shoes, the makeup, um, paying for the spray tans, doing the nails, absolutely everything. So that's kind of where that ruling comes in. But now um, the more modern brides, you you don't have to feel like you you are responsible for paying for everything. But if you were going to ask them to wear that $600 Zimmerman dress, um, I would definitely have that conversation with them before you choose the dress and maybe say to them, I'm thinking of buying this amazing blue Zimmerman dress. It's $600. Um, It's not really in my budget to pay for the whole thing. So, you know, would you be happy to go 50-50? If that doesn't work for you, um, 
let me know. Don't feel pressured to do it and we can explore other options. I've actually had brides say that to their bridal tribe. The bridal tribe then goes out. They're like the best shopping minions you'll ever meet in your life. (laughs) And they they will find some killer sales for you. They will find dresses that you know, look like that amazing Zimmerman dress that you wanted that is so much cheaper too. Um, and then maybe you can say to them, hey, guys, I'll buy this or I'll buy the dress if you guys want to buy the shoes. I'll pay for the hair and makeup if you guys want to chip in and do the dress. So you can split it up in any way you can. Um, and I don't yeah. think there is any shame now in asking your bridesmaids to chip in in some way. Yeah. And I've had other friends actually who have just decided I'll give them a colour theme and they can go out and find a colour and a dress that they like in that colour and therefore they're in control of their own budget and I think that works well if you're happy to have that look where it is where it is the same colour palette but not the same dress. Yeah. I also think the part that stings when you're in um, a bridal tribe and so many of us have been there and the bridesmaid, the bride says, hey, guys, I want this dress. Um, Can you all buy it? It it gets you when you're putting so much money forward and you just don't really like the dress and you're probably never going to wear it again. And you can't say that to the bride because it's her wedding and, you know, she can have whatever she wants. So that can also be a great option in that if you give them a bit of freedom to pick their own style within, as you said, within a color palette, or even if you do a mixed color palette, then they're actually picking a dress that they love that suits them. They're going to look better on the day because they're going to be more comfortable and they're going to be so much happier to chip in on that dress because they can see themselves wearing it again. So it's sort of a win-win. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Then what about accommodation if, say, you have a destination wedding? Is that on the couple to cover the cost of the accommodation for the bridal party as well if there is an expectation that they do stay the night before and even the night of the wedding? Yeah, look, I'm all for this. I just think if you're the one asking them to come away or if you're the one that's booked the destination wedding, then it is it is fair in my opinion um, that you book the accommodation for them. And then it's up to you if you allow their partners to stay or um, how many nights you actually book it for. So, you know, I personally think um, you can't say no to um, booking the accommodation as long as, again, that fits within your budget. And I guess if you are planning a destination wedding, that would have already been factored into the budget um, from the very beginning. Just a final one for you on gifts. Now, do we still do registries or is it all wishing wells now? Is it okay to expect gifts from everyone or is it rude to ask just for money? My dad Mm. was of the mindset that it's rude to ask for money, so we had a registry. Yeah, it must be an old-fashioned thing. Because, I mean, my mum got really insulted when we went to um, a a friend's wedding and they had a wishing well. She's like, I can't just give give someone money. Like that's just so impersonal. So, um, look, I think the short answer to this is most people actually do want to give you something. So um, a wishing well is always a really, really easy option. Um, I think now the modern day couples, our older generations are getting more used to doing a wishing well. Um, It's nice and easy. People can then write you a beautiful card um, that you can keep forever in your little wedding box. And then people can just give what they can. Um, It's not sort of a set set price on what goes into a wishing well. So it's then just totally variable. If you are asking for gifts in the more old fashioned way, where you are wanting actual physical gifts, then I think a gift registry is still a really good idea. Again, although it seems like it's something that um, we don't do much anymore, if you are doing real gifts, it just means that again, it's easier for your guests to know what you need. And then you don't end up with things that you'll never use. And it just ends up being a waste. You can do a combination. You can do a wishing well and a registry too. Um, so people can give whatever they like. I do think something to note here, and it's really important, I always suggest it to couples, 
even if you're saying no gifts on your invitation and you so strictly don't want any gifts and you say, look, your presence is enough and you genuinely, genuinely mean it, do be ready for some guests to still bring cards with possibly some money in it for you. So I absolutely always suggest that you have a little wishing well hidden away in the corner, um, regardless of if you said no gifts or gifts on the invite. Um, I actually had um, a couple last year that were like, oh yeah, we don't want gifts, but then she was actually quite upset afterwards. They didn't get gifts. So just just be honest. People want to give, so put it on there. It's not all expect um, to give as well. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks, Ali. I think they're the three big things and you've covered them off well. So thanks so much for that. Yeah, not a worry. And look, if anyone else has any super awkward questions too, you can always shoot them through on Instagram and um, we can talk through them. Well, we are so, so, super excited to have Betsy from the Lemon Tree Paper Co. joining us on the podcast today. Now, Betsy is one of our favorite creative minds. We absolutely adore your illustrations. So firstly, let's start from the very beginning. Where did your love for illustration begin? Because I read that you're self-taught. Is that right? I am self-taught and thank you for having me. This is so exciting. (laughs) Actually, my first or my love for illustration actually doesn't really exist, which is uh, sounds like a terrible thing to say. But my first love was um, ballet, and I was a I was a professional ballet dancer for about twelve years, and that that's my love. That's and unfortunately, I was wow. injured fairly badly. My left foot. So I ended up retiring at only 24. So then I was sort of lost and I I don't know what to do with myself. Um, I ended up meeting my husband, getting married, and I had always loved calligraphy. So that's kind of where I got stuck into the arts again and eventually started to kind of add illustration in with the calligraphy, which got me into stationery. Um, My grandmother was an avid watercolorist. And so that was the medium I wanted to try. And it's all sort of snowballed from there. So I started a business called Lemon Tree Calligraphy and Illustration. And, And then I think it was three years ago, I made the move to Lemon Tree Paper Co. Because I had really started doing stationery more exclusively, big parties, a lot of destination events, 50th birthdays in Positano and Capri or Saint-Tropez. Um, so it's wow. lots of big destination events. And gosh, your designs, they're just all so unique. Um, just for our listeners, each of your designs are bespoke and hand-created by you. Can you talk us through that process? Sure. Um, most of them are bespoke and hand create. All of them are hand created. Um, we have what we call a semi-custom range of stationary designs where we add a couple's desired wording to already completed designs. And it offers a more budget-friendly option for some couples who don't have the budget to spring for um, a custom design for their event. Um, But otherwise, mostly what we create is to order, hand-painted for individuals, businesses, or event planners. Really, our client's imagination is the limit. And we love it when they come to us with these great, crazy ideas. Um, (laughs) We get to make figure out how to make it happen and bring it to life for them. You know, one of the things that I love uh, personally about your designs are some of the most incredible places all around the world. So uh, are these 
places uh, generally you've been to before on your travels? I have, I've traveled a bit, but not a ton, not to a lot of these very amazing places that people have been. So our clients actually provide us with the majority of the information about their event, where things take place. They'll give us photos of venues and locations that they're having bits and pieces of their events at. And they'll also provide us with the general color palette so that everything sort of coordinates with the style of their event. But we actually do a ton of research. We we look at the culture, the lifestyle, the general ethos of wherever their event is being held um, so that we know when we sit down with a paintbrush how to make it look accurate. I mean, we use Google mm-hmm. Maps, uh, Wikipedia, where, you know, yeah. I mean, it's probably a few wow. days of looking through photos and, you know, even the tiniest details are painted as accurately as possible. Wow, so, that is yeah. such a process. So yeah. let's talk about the importance of stationery at weddings. So stationery can okay. start with invitations and it goes all the way through to the sea charts and place settings. And I think it truly can set a tone for a wedding. So what are your tips in choosing the right stationery to fit in with the style or the theme of a wedding or an event? Typically, if clients have a wedding planner or a florist, putting us in touch with them or providing us with their mood boards is really helpful because then we can sort of Mm -hmm. see the direction that the event is taking. Um, We're also huge fans of Pinterest for inspiration. We'll often create a board that we have access to and the client does. And then we can both pin things that we think are good examples of the color blue that they they love or the color blush Mm. that they like. Because those colors are different to everybody. When they say blue, I have no idea what of the thousands of blues they're talking about. Yeah, the whole photo says a thousand words is so true um, for us because the more that they can provide us with in visual content, the better we can do our jobs. So then would you say that the stationery and the styling that you do and the customizations that you make sort of are best to come after you chose your general um, style for the wedding? Yes, most that's usually how things go. Um, People usually already have some plans formed before they come to us. And that's actually really helpful because then we can sort of take their design or take their sort of ideas and fly with them. What would you say are the most important assets that you do need for a wedding? There are often things from a stationary perspective that um, it's easy to forget as an engaged couple with so much other things going on in your mind. One of the coolest things about working with a couple from save the dates all the way through their invitations and their day of stationery, which is menus and ceremony programs and um, even large seating charts. One of the, the beautiful things that we can do for them is make it all very cohesive so that anytime anybody receives anything that has to do with the wedding, you can tell from the moment you glance at it what it's about because mm-hmm. everything has a cohesive theme and the yeah. same sort of color palette. And we've had referrals from clients um, who have come to us and said, oh, I went to this this other person's wedding and it was amazing because everything that we received coordinated. 
And it just Mm. makes it look so organized and so put together and like a really amazing event. So we really see stationery as one of those key pieces, just as important as the cake, the stylist and the florist. We're one of those key pieces. We can take it from ordinary to extraordinary and make it look like everything is together and in one piece. So as you mentioned, stationery can be a really powerful way to get your guests excited right from the start. So if a couple are listening and they're really passionate about doing something special with their stationery, what would you would suggest for them to consider? Sure. Um, a lot of our clients are destination wedding clients, or even if you've chosen a really special place in your hometown, one of the things that stationery can really highlight is the location and incorporating a map or an illustration of the beautiful setting really gets people excited to either travel or to come and attend the wedding and be a part of the celebration. So we do a lot of hand illustrations of wedding venues. Last year, we did Ripon Lee Estate, which is a very famous home and property here in Melbourne. And although maps are typically entire cities, we were able to just do a map of the estate and really highlight the house. And we we worked with the wedding. Yeah, we worked with the wedding planner and they sent us photos of what they were going to do with the flowers and how the setup on the lawn was going to be. And we actually created that in watercolor on the map. And it was, it was really amazing. And, um, one of my favorite projects, but we typically, you know, if we have a destination wedding, we'll do a map of an entire city and not just include the venue, but get people excited about what there is to see and do in that city. So that's part of what we research. That's what we ask couples to provide us with some of their favorite spots for a cocktail and some of their favorite spots for a coffee or for dinner. And so I love that idea. Yeah. So they can look at this map and go, Oh, wow. I so want to go there. Let's make the trip. Let's go. Um, and it really gets people excited. Yeah. It's amazing what brides come up with. Um, We had a former client that took our map artwork and had it printed onto custom swim shorts. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that he he wore for their lunch soiree on the beach in Positano. So the sky, yeah, the sky really is the limit. I mean, we we're more than happy to produce anything that you can come up with. Oh, wow. Well, Betsy, it's an incredible process and it really is something really, really special. And I think when it does come to stationery for your wedding, it really is that time that you really do want to make everything beautiful and come to life. And what better way than starting from the very beginning with your invitation and then right through to the end. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We just admire everything that Lemon Tree Paper Co. do. If you guys haven't come across Betsy's work, do check it out on Instagram at Lemon Tree Paper Co. Once again, thank you so much for joining us on the Wedding Digest. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. 
Well, we hope you found this episode of The Wedding Digest helpful. Of course, if you do have a question that you'd like Ali to answer, you can simply slide into our DMs. You can find us on Instagram at Wedbooker. And speaking of next week, we have another really exciting guest on the pod. Make sure you're following us on Wedbooker on Instagram to find out who it is. Of course. And if you want 10% off our specialized wedding planning packages, including help from Ali, just go to wedbooker.com and use the code word WEDPOD for your 10% off. We'll be back in your ears next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wedding Digest podcast brought to you by Wedbooker. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and let us know what you think by leaving a review. You can also find us on the gram at Wedbooker to start planning your dream wedding or for one-on-one wedding advice from Ali, head to wedbooker.com where you'll also find show notes and more info on any of our amazing guests and suppliers.